Welcome to Booked, the Warmed and Bound sessions. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Warmed and Bound is an anthology published by Velvet Press, consisting of 38 short stories, all by authors who are members of or involved in the Velvet, an online community of authors and fans of the trio Will Christopher Bayer, Craig Clevenger, and Stephen Graham Jones. Warmed and Bound is available for sale right now. Pela Villa is the editor of the Warmed and Bound anthology and a member of Wright Club. She's also been published in Red Fez, for which she received a Best of the Net nomination, uh, Nevarious Muse, Word Riot, and others. In addition to all that, you can find her story Touch in the Warmed and Bound anthology. Pela was nice enough to join us for an interview today. Pela, thanks for taking time out of what must be a very busy schedule this week to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure. Um, how about we kick it off with you telling us a little bit about how you came to be involved with the Velvet? I I picked up writing just really out of nowhere a few years ago, and I, it didn't take long to figure out that I was doing something that I wasn't finding in the stuff that my friends were reading. And so I wanted to f- find something that I could identify with, find what other authors were doing that I, I would that I liked, and... Anyway, it just it really didn't take very long, and I, I ended up finding um, Kiss Me Judas through Amazon, and so I read that and just dove right in. I, I, in fact, I think I even was on the Velvet before I got the copy in the mail, and something about just the, the personality of everybody, and it, it's, it's kind of weird because I was a little bit snobby about message boards or um, online communities. I kind of thought it was weird or I don't know, but so it's not like I was looking for to join up with, with a whole bunch of writer friends. It was just, I couldn't, I couldn't stay away. Once, once I got there and I started talking to people, I, I was just kind of finished and hooked and, you know, immediately read all the other authors and, and, and all the, made friends with all the guys and girls there. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. Very cool. Can you tell us a little bit about how Warmed and Bound came together? Well, I, the weird thing is that even though I've been around the Velvet for a couple of years, I am still kind of considered a newbie. It, I mean, these people have been there a while, and so I know that the anthology idea was around for a long time, um, and, and I think they all had talked about just putting something together um, from the stories that were already published on the internet and just kind of a best of. And I got the feeling that it was supposed to be more of like, for us bias kind of thing, um, just self-published, just in, just to see everybody's work bound and together was just kind of the idea. I, a year ago, Richard Thomas started talking about it again. He's he's just so ridiculously ambitious. So <laughs> this is something that he was wanting to start again. And, and I kind of happened to be there like the hour that he posted something about, you know, hey, we should do this again, or we should start talking about this again. And and I pop, popped up and said, yeah, 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 let, you know, let, let me in. And I think he kind of said, okay, you want to maybe edit it or figure, you know, get started? And yeah, yeah, of course I do. So I just kind of ran with it. And um, I don't think a lot of people knew, knew that I was working on it for a really long time. And I didn't, I mean, I was kind of just collecting ideas and talking to people I knew that, that had little presses or whatever. And But I was really scared to pull the trigger, quite honestly, because I just, I don't know, it's... I wasn't all that confident in in my abilities to do very much. So, so right around the time that Logan decided to do that big fundraiser last November or December, um, he started talking. He started asking about. He was asking around. He, I think someone led him to me. He was working. Um, he wanted to know who was working on the anthology, and 
so with him trying to use it as um, to, just to kind of combine all the all the different things that we had going on and, and just amp everything up and um, really just improve the velvet in, in multiple ways. So with that, it, we just started to work together on it and I started a, I put out a call for submissions and and he kind of held my hand with, with certain things and yeah, so from that point on, it just it evolved and it snowballed and really and just grew into this monster thing that nobody was predicting. Can you tell us um, how much actual story editing went into the project? Quite a lot, actually. There were a few people that were invited to send a story and, you know, it's kind of obvious who the people who are more established, who have more experience. Those, those stories that came in, I didn't really touch. I didn't. I mean, I did some copy editing, copy editing, and but for a lot of the others, some some were great, some were polished, finished, you know, perfect stories, and some were not quite ready, and they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't they didn't show off what the author can do, and so if if I felt like I knew what the author is capable of, and it wasn't in the story, then I wasn't okay with it. So I spent really a weird amount of time on story edits and working with people and um, I'm surprised I don't have more enemies at this point. <laughs> All the emails I sent back and forth with people just bothering them about their stories. So yeah, a, a lot of a lot of um, time went into this book for sure. I just find the kind of the actual story editing process kind of fascinating as somebody who's kind of dabbled a little bit in writing and never had anyone other than Rob really look and make some corrections and stuff. And it's just, it's, I always wonder how much a story can be changed by a second set of eyes and shifting a couple of things around and just a few suggestions. If it can actually take a story that's, meh, you know, a decent story and make it into something good. So that's one of the questions I was kind of curious about. I think so. And, and the ones that were really, you know, like you said, man, they, um, there were some stories that got a whole lot of work done to them. And you know, it doesn't doesn't mean that the authors weren't talented or skilled or whatever. It's just that particular story wasn't, um, you know, maybe it was autobiogra autobiographical or something, and they they couldn't remove themselves far enough to be able to see what, you know, how how things come across as, from the reader's perspective or something. So, as as Livius mentioned when we did the Chris Deal interview, he felt like Chris's story was pretty much a perfect choice to end the book. What was the process really for deciding this, the order of the stories that you that how they went? The, there's just there was kind of it, there was a natural flow to to it. Once I started to put to pair up things that go together and to find um, where the the real meat of the whole collection is, and I I don't know. I just I think it came together kind of naturally once I decided that it needed to feel a little bit like a novel and that it needed to have kind of a crux or a climax and a setup and a resolution and so the I think I didn't plan it this way but I think the the middle or the the climax of the book is Clevenger's story because it embodies a lot of what the whole book ended up being about which just has to has a lot to do with humility and so from there I just kind of built the end and the beginning and, and it, it came together well I think um, this is just kind of random, but I thought of it when you were talking about the, the substance of the stories and stuff like that. I noticed, um, and this won't spoil anything, but um, I haven't read all the stories, but a couple of them I've noticed either use of, 
the word velvet or or, or a warmed and bound kind of uh-huh. feel to it. I, uh-huh. It was enough to make me think, was this something that was encouraged or maybe was it happening so much it was discouraged or is it just kind of incidental in some of the stories? Yeah, I, a couple of people did that and I and I saw it and it kind of would make me smile. It wasn't so much that I, um, it wasn't so frequent that I was just, you know, um, bothered by it at all. It was, it's kind of their neat little Easter eggs and there's a few <laughs> other things that the more you know the, the velvet, the more you will catch things here and there or like tributes to other books or, you know, Will Christopher Bear books or whatever. So it's just kind of a neat thing. We we have a lot of um, affection happening within the velvet. Great. You mentioned um, Will Christopher Bear, and for people who are familiar with the velvet, they probably know a little bit more about this than some of our other listeners. And obviously, he's come up frequently as a uh, as one of the big three that the website was kind of based around. Um, can you mm-hmm. tell our listeners a little bit about why Mr. Bear is not present in the anthology? Sure. Um, we don't know. We the the group. Um, you know, a couple people know different things, but publicly, we don't. There's not an answer right now for where he is or why he's chosen to kind of back off and do his own thing. And so, you know, given that that we're all trying to be respectful of each other, we definitely want to respect that and give him a space. And we don't want to be demanding readers or fans or whatever. So we just kind of let it go. And people come and ask, and sometimes we get a little jumpy. I've seen people get a little jumpy recently about it, about the question of where he is. And it's just because we hear it a lot and we wish we knew. We really do. But, um, you know, people do their own thing and that's, that's totally fine. We don't know. I actually had a friend of mine ask me as we were talking about this and I had mentioned to him that, you know, even the title comes from, you know, basically a bare line. Uh-huh. And he said, well, well, yeah, he said, well, where is the guy? And I said, well, he's <laughs> really not really around a whole lot. <laughs> so, yeah. As we were talking about, we thought, you know, there are people who don't know that, and it is kind of an obvious question, so. Yeah, it definitely is, and that's that's totally fine to ask, and um, we wish wish that he was around. Either way, we just, we hope he's doing well and, and, you know, enjoying his family and his life and whatever he's up to. We hope it's it's fine. He's done plenty for the literary world, so we're happy. (laughs) Uh, Well, now if you get the question again, you can just point him to this, and you don't have to go over it again. again. (laughs) Just give him a link and say we're done. There we go. That's it. Back to kind of um, the editing portion of Warmed and Bound. What was the biggest challenge you were faced with as an editor? That's tough. I think just just trying to pull everything together and um, you know stick with the deadline and keep everyone happy and not piss people off and not make you know people are really into what we what we do. I mean we're all kind of really close and and excited and, and um, passionate about this. So one wrong step, and I could piss off a lot of people in a big way. I mean, if, if I turn it, turn it into something weird or whatever, then... So there's that pressure to, you know, keep everybody's interests at heart, and um, I, I think that's probably it. I, just, I don't know. It's, it's always difficult working with a lot of people. It's just, it's really... And, mm-hmm. and even, you know, it's one thing to work with 40 people, and then it's a whole other thing to work with two people on a close level. I mean, that's a nightmare, too. Sometimes if you just aren't seeing each other's perspective, that can be really hard as well. Okay. And um, to kind of get off of the editing topic um, or get away from it is the question about you getting away from editing. Um, We noticed that you mentioned in your blog that you're stepping away from editing. It sounds like you're going back to um, kind of focusing more on writing. Is that what 
is that the reason that you decided to step away from editing was to focus on writing or was there something else? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, editing is really tempting for me, especially if there's a future with Velvet Press and there's, you know, more things to put out and, and more of the same experience over and over that. I don't know how I would turn that away, honestly. It's been so much fun and so rewarding for me. But I, when I'm editing day to day, I'm I'm not really writing. I just don't know how to do both. So when I'm not writing, I'm kind of back to square one where I'm not as happy. I'm not. I just don't do as well. So, so yeah, that that's what that was. Just trying to get myself back to the basics. When we had Anthony Neal Smith on the show a while back, um, we had a conversation about noir, and he he compared it to heavy metal music, and he said something to the effect of, even though the band sing about women, it's written by men for men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a really clever way for him to put it. And uh, even though you're the editor, you're one of only three female authors in the anthology. Um, how much truth do you think it is for that statement? Is is noir really just a, a boys club? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't speak for all of noir, but within the velvet, it's it's all... There was a while where I was the only girl that I was the only female writer, and and in the time that, well, okay, let me back up a second. Um, when I put out the call for submissions for this book, no, I didn't get a single uh, submission from a woman, but just not a one. It really is. So I was putting the book together, and I was just gonna have to be the only girl, and um, you know, deal with that. And not that I minded, though, to tell you the truth, it's kind of fun. But um, and then I know you guys talked to Amanda, and and on we were on iClub, and this was well after the submission deadline had passed, and we were talking about it, and she was just kind of just discovering the velvet, and I mean I think so, I I think that's accurate, and kind of lamenting the fact that the timing was poor, and so that so I got her to send me something, and um, same with Gail Tal got her to send me something, and. It just was lucky on my part that, that they were both good because I wanted to um, accept them. I think at first, actually, I said, I said, no, we're too full. I want to, but I can't. And then I went back like a week later and said, screw it. I'm, I'm doing, I'm kind of just going to do whatever, whatever I want to do here to make this good. So I think we were at like 22 contributors and I was stressing like crazy, thinking, oh, this is too many contributors. It's going to be way too long. And what am I going to do? And then I just kind of hit that point where I said, screw it and then I, I blinked and we were at 38 contributors i don't quite know what happened hey, hey rob does that does that at all sound familiar to you rob uh it's a <laughs> sounds a lot like when we we're planning a, a collection of interviews as a matter of fact <laughs> so when we were talking to amanda we brought up a similar question and everything and she the the encouraging thing or the nice thing that she said about the community in general was that gender was basically a non-issue that it was never something that ever even came into consideration it was you were judged almost entirely on the merit of your writing and your I guess character in general is that how you feel too yeah I do I mean I think as a woman you have to just be good and I mean I realized as I was saying that that I was kind of making myself sound like I'm good but which isn't really what I mean I think I <laughs> have done a very limited amount of stories so I can pretend like I'm good for a while, but um, and I think as a guy, they just kind of automatically accept you unless you're unless you're terrible, and even then, they're they're friendly with you. It's just in order to get the respect. That's the only difference I'd say. For a girl, you kind of have to prove yourself that you can do it, and for a boy, you have to 
prove that you're not a complete hack and then you're fine, you're <laughs> in. You mentioned Right Club and it, it came up in a couple of previous interviews. Could you tell our listeners exactly what Right Club is and maybe what benefits you've taken away from it? Yeah, Right Club is really cool. It's a private forum. And by private, I mean it. Um, there's a enrollment period in the month of November every year. And then starting January 1st, it closes. It's, it's um, shut off to any kind of visitor. So that's really nice. I mean, that, that's really, really nice to have a community where you can just go and say anything you want. And so what is done is that people are broken down into groups of um, four, and each person has a novel that's really designed for novels. And they all just kind of workshop each other's uh, project at the time, just chapter a week or whatever whatever pace they're on. And, and then we also kind of have different areas in the form for short work or, you know, questions or just, you know, discussions having to, to do with all things writing related or, um, you know, anything, anything and everything. There's a venting thread that's really fun that <laughs> I, um, I, it's fun because I made it. I mean, I, I like it. That's my kind of thing. You just go in there and you just rant off some crazy vent that makes no sense and you know you'd look stupid if you tried to say it somewhere else, but you get out of your system and everyone just kind of says, yeah, the people are dumb and then you move on. <laughs> so there's just a sense of community that's really, really neat. And yeah, I think, I, I don't know how they're going to do it because I know it kind of changes people. It I might be changing. I, I don't really know, but for me, I, and a couple, a lot of us actually, we don't have novels to work on or we don't, we have chosen not to workshop a novel. But um, Jason Hive, the, the person who's created it and who runs it, he has let us um, stay in there as members, even though we're not workshopping anything. So I don't, I don't know if you have to have been like a member at some point, you know, to have that happen or whatever. I, I don't, I don't quite know, but it's worth looking into if, if people are interested, they should definitely head over to um, wherever it is, whatever the URL is. I'm not sure. I'm sure you can Google Right Club and find it. I, I really like it. We'll provide a link on our page. How long have you? Uh, how long have you been a member? Two years or so. This this would be my second year. Well, this series of interviews is about the anthology Warmed and Bound. So, how about you tell us a little bit about your story that's in it, which is called Touch. Um. Okay. Uh, it started out as a novel. Actually, it was the first chapter of a novel, and. I just gave up the novel really quickly. I was I had an interest in this idea after seeing some front frontline or, or some documentary somewhere about people I forget the name of it willingly uh, committing suicide if they have terminal illness, mm. and that was just so fascinating to me. There's these families that go and they just let their loved one you know go in a peaceful way, and and in my novel I wanted to have it where the the father who has a terminal illness, he wants to actually take the this idea of sacrifice that comes from you know a good place. He takes it to an extreme and maybe even kills his son who's has the same hereditary disease or whatever. And then I decided that as soon as I built up these characters, I realized that that just couldn't happen. It just wasn't it wasn't a plausible concept. So I couldn't I couldn't write that book. So um, I kind of let let the chapter get buried somewhere, and I went back and um, just played with it and kept playing with it, and kind of just became its own thing. And then that, that was around the time I needed a story, so I went back and found where you know where that story is by itself, and 
yeah, just kind of went from there. It, it, there was a lot of there were a lot of uh, versions of it. I will say that it changed a lot. <laughs> Would it be too much of a spoiler to say that it made me very very sad? <laughs> no, I, and I'm so, such a weird sadist, I guess, because I love hearing that. <laughs> I really do. I there are people. I won't name names, but I'm totally tempted to. But there are the people who you would not expect, you know, the big gruff guys or whatever, who have um, emailed me in private to say that they were, you know, crying, just full on sobbing or tearing up or whatever, tearing up at work or whatever. And I just love that. <laughs> All right, here, here's here's a, here's a little to to boost that particular part of your ego. Um, Rob read your story earlier this afternoon, and I have my phone in my hand. Here's the text message he sent me. I love doing this to Rob because if he tells me something off the air about a story, I'm all about sharing it. It's full disclosure. It says, yeah. It says, yeah, it says Pela's story is the saddest story in existence, FYI. That was the text message he sent me today. So, so mission accomplished. Mission accomplished for you. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. A very, very sad but very well-written story. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, to lighten it up a little bit, um, can you tell us a little bit about the intro music we played at the top of the show? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that that is my husband. He is his background is in music. He's a scientist now, but he's uh, he was in bands forever. And um, <clears throat> uh, I went on to town this past week. I went to Portland, and so he was home by himself and. He emailed me this thing and said, I was bored, I made this song, you know, it's only for you, it's just supposed to be funny and make you laugh and whatever, and so of course I love it, I, it's supposed to be in a Washington Misfits, um, which is probably obvious, and, and I love that, and so um, I brought it up to him when I talked to him on the phone, and, and I kind of made a joke to him about how, uh, you know, I don't even know that it's about me, it's, cause it's called Sandwich Girl, and it's about this... I don't know. I honestly still don't know what the lyrics say. I haven't <laughs> talked to him about it yet. I just know that some of them get very dirty. <laughs> and so I made a joke about how I don't even—I don't remember ever working at a sandwich shop. But I don't know if that's about me. <laughs> and he said very plainly, no, it's not about you at all. It's about the girl at the sandwich shop. So that was kind of an interesting <laughs> little turn. I wasn't expecting that. So then I, I just told him I was going to play it here as some sort of revenge. <laughs> but really, I'm just proud of it. I really like the song. I really like that that my husband can make make that, you know, in, in a couple hours on a Friday night without even trying. So And I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm somewhat of a punk music fan and you know, I saw the song and it said my husband wrote the song in the email you sent. And you know, my first impression honestly was, Oh God, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> ask for requests for songs. And then I put it on and I said, you know what, for this being cut like at home over a weekend, this is like a really decent quality it's a good quality song. So I know, I'm really right? Glad and he's got some fun to play with and uh just before you on, anybody who we only played, I don't know, 10 to 15 seconds at the top of the show, but if you stay tuned after the interview, we will let the whole thing play out as an outro. So. Oh, no, you will, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's when it gets really bad. I mean, it's it's really dirty. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's ever listened to a whole episode <clears throat> of our show, so chances are by now they've kind of tuned out anyway, and nobody's going to hear it, so... Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and he, he did, like, the, the drums with his hands on a desk. <laughs> so, yeah, I was I was proud of him. He's he's awesome. Well, thank you to Mr. Via for providing us with uh, with some <laughs> great music to uh, to put on this episode. And then I guess while we're on the kind of fun part of uh, of our interview here, um, 
uh, as you may know, Malaz Corbier, our correspondent from the Netherlands, um, occasionally will send in a soundbite on uh, on one of our episodes, and he was kind enough to send us one about you. So we're going to go ahead and play it right now. Hello there. Here is just another new message from the most handsome member of the book crew. But with Liffy's and Rob as the only other souls on the show, that's really nothing to shout about. However, Pelafia's beauty. Now that is something to shout about. There is a little picture of her in the Warped and Bound Velvet Press Anthology. A jolly good reason to go pick up a few copies. For people that aren't as shallow as I am, there is another good reason, and it's called Touch. Touch is the story Bella wrote for the anthology, and it is all... well, touchy. It made me a bit sad. I wonder what it does to people who actually believe in supernatural fairy stories. Hmm. Now I think about it, I'm off to find such another, and go ask him. Cheerio. Yeah, Mlaz is really, is really pretty funny. I, I have to say, though, that whenever Mlaz is talking, that means that somewhere in the world I am super overrated, so you can't listen to anything he says about me. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you guys, why is he the Matt Damon? Okay. <laughs> I don't know, I missed that somehow. Okay. So, all right. It's the very first we call interlude episodes. That's where we're too lazy to read a whole book. Uh-huh. And we just talk about reading related stuff or review short stories. Um, we had asked on Twitter, and at that point, I think we had, oh, I don't know, a whopping 30 followers, of which Malaz was one of them, for subjects. And he um, he suggested, uh, Rob, what's the word? Anthropophagites. Anthropophagites, <laughs> which are cannibals. So we, we took this really seriously, and I talked about a couple of great cannibal-based books that I'd read. Rob mentioned some stuff. and um, Yeah, it became almost the whole episode was talking about this. So Malaz yeah. really, he set the tone for that whole episode without even expecting to. So on our next interlude episode, we were drawing a winner for, what were we giving away then? Was it the Anthony Neal Smith book? Yeah, it must have been, yeah. Okay, and Malaz was one of the winners. So as and this is right while we were on the episode, I said, "Hey, you know, last time we mentioned this guy was our other interlude episode." And I said, "Hey, maybe we'll just figure out a way to mention him during every episode, kind of like Jimmy Kimmel mentions Matt Damon, but never has him on the show." Oh. But that's where it came from, and I realized. And after, even after he kind of took to that, one day I said to Rob, "I said, you know, he lives in the Netherlands. He has no idea what that meant, even if he was kind of following <laughs> the whole thread." So. <laughs> That's well, kind of where it came. Yeah. Well, he, I, I know that someone asked him one time, and he just said, yeah, they do come with that, and I don't really know, but I just go with it. <laughs> exactly, and that's what's great about Mlaz. He doesn't care. Oh, he, just, yeah, he's he's so awesome. I mean, he's such a stink bug sometimes, but it's just the most adorable <laughs> thing. And and it's funny because he, he does kind of, I mean, he's a good-looking guy, and I had no idea that he was he would be good-looking. I kind of thought he was a, <laughs> like I, I said at one point that I expected him to look like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> But no, he's totally good looking. I think it's because we never expect there to be attractive people on the internet. I think that we're just really (laughs) predisposed to there being a troll behind every PC, no matter where it is. So yeah, I think it's nice that we uh, we made him kind of our unintentional uh, third of two. It it feels like there's less pressure on Mm -hmm. Livius and I with having a third person around, even if he doesn't really do much more than send us a clip every now and then. Yeah. One of these days, we're gonna figure out how to have subtitles. (laughs) <laughs> on the podcast we're, we're 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 developing the technology now to have subtitles good. so that, that'll be good <laughs> okay so um do you want to you want to tell the listeners a little bit about um what you're working on right now uh sure 
I have a, a novel in progress that is called Black Star Mother, and I just could say that it has to do with a married couple. So I've that's kind of what I know. I've been married for we're celebrating 13 years. We've been together for 15 years, celebrating 13 this week. Congratulations! Um, well, happy, happy anniversary. Thank you. So it'll be it'll start there, and the wife is gets involved with some weird stuff with her. She loses it first of all, and then she gets involved with some weird stuff in in her job as an abortion doctor. So uh, so yeah, there might be some some weird body stuff and bombs and wounds and that sort of thing. I was just going to say it sounds like another shiny, happy story from Pale of <laughs> What's wrong with me? I know. <laughs> or, or a crossover <laughs> Caleb Ross story. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it will, it will probably have to be a love story because I can't seem to break away from somehow getting, getting out some statement about love, whether it's negative or positive or what, but it's, that's kind of what I want to talk about over and over is just love, so... Uh, I think that your type of um, romance fiction we can get behind. So. <laughs> okay, thanks. All right, so normally I ask some really hard question, and I've been scolded for this by numerous people, and I say, hey, tell me who your favorite author is or something like that. I'm going to go a different direction because you had such an influence in this book, and I don't want you to hurt anybody's feelings. Can you give us <laughs> three stories that are really stand out and warmed and bound? What did you really think three of the stories, the top stories are? Oh, boy. Oh, you're killing me with three. Um, it's like almost 10% of the book. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm so tempted to just like blurt out eight really quickly before you can cut me off. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably your best bet. <laughs> okay, Rob Parker's is short but just complete insanity. Caleb J. Ross can write a perfect story. And... Last one. Okay, I guess I'll say Clevenger's is the third one. Very cool. But that's, I've already kind of made my statement about Chris Deals and Axel's because they open and close the book. And so that was kind of how I was saying that those oh. were really, really strong and they have my endorsement. And so I excluded those from this, this little sadistic <laughs> game of yours. <laughs> Richard Thomas took the, the big out, which... Uh, <laughs> which was to say that there's there's not a stinker in the bunch so that was his out <laughs> he doesn't know that for sure though that's well that's true <laughs> he hasn't read it i don't think anyone's read it from start to finish that that silence <laughs> means nobody on this end has gotten it. <laughs> yeah. but we read them weird we try to get to them as close as we can to the interviews so they're really fresh yeah. in our minds so it's a little different than normally i would read even an anthology start to finish but it's long though too. I mean, it really is. It's you know over a hundred thousand words. I think that's I, I, well over a hundred thousand. I don't remember what it is, but it's long. Okay, and now we're going to really narrow it down because <laughs> that time we were generous <laughs> with three. If there's one author you'd like to hear us review on book, who would it be? Okay, and this can be outside of the velvet, right? Absolutely. Okay, so then I'm going to go with uh, Chris Steele's same answer to say D.B. Cox because he is uh, just. It's he's like the biggest seeker around. I, I don't know um, why he's not more widely read. He's so talented. And full disclosure, I helped 
Um, I did some editing work on his new anthology, but honestly, that was just my privilege. He's so good, and it, it's so touching, and people need to find his book and buy it. Unaccustomed Mercy is what it's called. Okay, yeah. Um, now that we've had you and Chris Deal mention D.B. Cox and specifically Unaccustomed Mercy on the show, we're definitely going to have to keep an eye out for that and try and uh, and work something out with him. But uh, in my research for, for posting Chris's episode, I... I I did a lot of digging to try and find a link to put up on our website, and I had a lot of trouble finding it, so um, hopefully we can find something, but it doesn't seem like it's a very easy thing to get a hold of right now. Yeah, we, yeah, I don't know, not quite sure where it is, but we'll try to, I'll try to help with that too. Great. Fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we let you go? No, I, I think I've, I've got everything. Yeah, I think I'm good. Plug your book. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, there's that. There's Warm to Bound, which is really, um, really good, I think. And then also, I want to just have a chance to thank you guys for what you've done. It's really quite amazing. And can I ask why you've chosen to interview <laughs> and why why you guys have, have helped us so much with with our promotion and getting the word out? Because it's really interesting to me. Is there a reason? Okay. Um, yes, there is. We've actually both been fans of of Craig Clevenger and Will Christopher Bayer for several years. And I know Rob um, has posted some stuff on the Velvet. I have been a lurker on the Velvet probably for five years. So I've been kind of familiar with a lot of the short stories that, that have appeared in links around the Internet. And, I mean, I read Transubstantiate last year. I honestly, I was probably one of the first people to get it in its ebook format because I had to email the publisher and ask them why it had been like three weeks. And they said mm. it wasn't formatted yet. So, I mean, I and Rob has also, Rob actually contributed. Would you like to share your story again, Rob, about contributing a, a short story to the Velvet? I love that one. <laughs> it's in another... It's in another interview that already went up. Is this the hundred word one? Yeah, but it's yeah. just great to tell it. I love it. So <laughs> I want to look that up. I, I have a note um, written down that I'm. I still need to look that up and find it. So yeah, and I mean, we started the podcast. We had Caleb on um, as our first interview, and we talked a little bit about it then. And you know, he had kind of mentioned it, and even in talking to him after the episode, I said, you know, we'd actually we'd both really like to read that when it comes out. And would you be willing to come back and talk about it then? And he said yes, and then in communicating with other people that were going to appear in Warmed and Bound, it's we kind of wanted to talk to everybody. And, I mean, we've got almost half the book coming on for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Craig Clevenger, one of my personal literary heroes, which is so cool to have him, um, and he's going to be on with us probably sometime next week. So, yeah, I mean, it was an opportunity for us to talk to some people we've been fans of, and it just seemed like a like a good thing. It's something we want to see do well because we're we're fans of the medium. So. And from my perspective, oh, cool. like there was just a there was a lot of names in it that had just been creeping up in our our list and a, a possible reads and possible things to talk about on the show anyway. So it was it was kind of just an opportunity to talk to people that we've been talking about anyway, and um, maybe just kind of lump it all together in, in kind of a cool something different than what we were typically doing. Yeah, well, I, th- I really think it's awesome. It's helped us a lot, and it's just been so fun. Everybody feels really special when they get to be interviewed, and you know, we just all love to talk about ourselves. So, <laughs> it's been it's been really nice for us. We're glad we can help. It's been a great deal of fun um, for us, and personally, we'd like to thank you for helping facilitate the whole thing. Yeah, my pleasure. I think that's it. So. Yeah. Um, 
do you want to just really quickly uh, tell everybody where they can find your stuff or get a hold of you online? Uh, Paylavia.com. And then from there, I'm, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and the Google Plus or whatever that's called now. Um, so I'm, I'm around. And I'm and and I'll even give out my email because I'm maybe this is just the wine talking that I try. I tried to have wine on one side of me and coke on the other so that I, if I got sleepy I would. <laughs> but so I don't know if I've made any sense because I've got both going on. But um, my email is pela.via.work at gmail.com. And um, so any questions or whatever, I'm I'm definitely around. Well, thank you, Pela, for taking time again out of what must be a busy week for you um, with the launch earlier today. So thanks again for taking the time to come on and talk to us. Yeah, anytime. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks once more to Pela for coming on. We're really glad we could have her. You can find more information about her and her writing at palavia.com. And the much-awaited release of Warmed and Bound happened today. So you can uh, find links on our website to where you can buy it, or you can check warmedandbound.com. That wraps it up for another edition of Booked. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Tune in tomorrow for another Warmed and Bound session.